Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 119, The Hotness of Board Game Geek. Listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. Hey, Anthony, welcome back and happy Memorial Day to you. Yeah, long weekend. <laughs> absolutely. And absolutely positively, of course, a special thanks to all our veterans and active service members around the world, and especially those who are listening to this podcast. Thank you for your time and your sacrifice. And welcome all our listeners from around the world. We have a, a number of you, not just from the United States of America, but from many, many different countries. So thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. So Anthony, do you have any idea who is actually and where they're listening to around the world? Yeah, so John in Australia. <laughs> if there's actually a John in Australia right now, he's like, wait, what? We just blew his mind. I think blew Nick and Mason mind. are listening, right? Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, no, we have a you know a good number of listeners. I think about two thirds in the U.S. There you makes go, because that's where we are. But you know, a good chunk of people in the U.K., Canada, Australia, and actually a decent number of listeners out in Germany. So if you're in Germany and listening, thank you for listening. Absolutely, good dog. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. The, the birthplace of all the board games that we love so much. So with that said, Anthony, we're going to be talking about the hotness. According to Board Game Geek, before we get into all of that greatness, speaking about our German audience, Anthony, what's been happening in Germany lately? Well, the the big news always this time of year is the Spiel des Jahres uh, nominations. So we're going to talk about it a little bit because, as you can imagine, they are represented on the hotness. But they did go up, and so we do have the, the three nominees for the Spiel des Jahres, Game of the Year in Germany, as well as the Kennerspiel and the Kinderspiel. So some of the games from each of those is represented in what we'll talk about later. And we'll probably kind of run down like what those nominees actually are overall. And as usual, I've played like two or three of them. About half aren't out here in the U.S. yet. There's some interesting ones on there, including the the odds on favorite for the year. Sure. Um, which I think uh, probably will take it home. I don't think so. I think you it's going to so? I think it's going to get right there and just f- slip off the board. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I just pulling Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's possible. But as we said at the start, we do have our German listeners out there. So if you actually got a chance to play these other games, post up to our Facebook account, our Twitter, uh, boardgamersanonymous.com, our guild on Board Game Geek, and you know, always hit us up on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know what games you're playing so that we know what games to review, especially when they hit the U.S. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is always a fun time every year when I'm like, haven't heard of these. I feel like I should have heard of these. I do this every week, but now I don't know what these are. So. What's really funny, too, is it, everybody here in the U.S. who are big board gamers, the buzz starts when these awards come out. And then everyone's like, hey, have you heard about this game? And I'm like, no, not not really. I heard a couple of things, but not really sure. And like, it's really good. I, I think we should pick it up. I'm like, wow, how are we going to do it? And then, then it becomes like Ocean's Eleven. Where we're all talking about, like, we'll get this little guy, and then we'll get this big guy, and this other guy knows how to talk to the guy, and this guy knows technology, and we'll go down to this con because they get these games, and we know this guy. I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to work out because we want to get the games as soon as possible. So uh, it's always a very, very fun time. So is there anything else going on that we want to let everybody know about, Anthony? Maybe something yes. totally awesome? Totally awesome Starship. Totally like awesome segue. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You set me up for it, and then I came in and swooped in, and we both said awesome. There you that go. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I got this game uh, sent to me uh, probably a few weeks ago. But the Kickstarter actually launched a couple days ago, so it's up right now. You can go take a look at it as we talk about it. Uh, it's called Awesome Starship 3000. So this is not a full review. Um, I'm going to do a, a write-up of that and put it on the website. So if you want to read about the game in more detail, you can do that there. But this is kind of just initial impressions. Basically what it is is a dice-based tactical combat game. It takes less than an hour. Um, it's got this hex-based board, which isn't super pretty to look at, but ignore that because the rest is pretty cool. Um, you have these different cards that you pull in. Uh, they each represent different weapons that you have available. And basically the goal of the game is to destroy another ship. If you do that, the game is over. But the cool thing is, is there's kind of a trader mechanic mixed in, which usually you see in cooperative games. But this one, it's a competitive game with a trader mechanic where eventually someone becomes the rogue and then you have to destroy them or they destroy one of you and the game is over. Alternately, if the rogue card doesn't come up until too late, you can destroy all the drones that are on the board. Again, you can check all this out on the Kickstarter campaign. Um, it is pretty cool, but I just wanted to kind of share it because it did get sent over. Uh, it is something that I thought was pretty interesting. It, it's probably not the best game for like the hardcore Euro gamers out there. I know there's a lot of you that listen. Um, but for people who like chucking dice, and a lot of dice chucking, and if you like kind of that tactical run around and shoot each other, and then this pretty <laughs> awesome 80s Starship theme, uh -huh. um, it's cool. I, I Thematically, I'm very interested. I had fun with it. As a Euro gamer, occasionally I was like, stupid dice. But, you know, <laughs> I know that there, there is a nice audience for that. So... <laughs> including me on some days. Well, that sounds good. So, Anthony, since we're talking about games that we really want to play, let's get on to our acquisition disorders. What do you have for us this week? Okay. So this one I'm super excited about, and I don't think I would be that excited about it if it wasn't for the fact that it's a pretty decent designer working on it. Well, it's WizKids, so I don't know about <laughs> publisher. They have ups and downs, but <laughs> it's a board game based on The Expanse. Okay. So this is a, a sci-fi TV series um, on the sci-fi channel based on a, a series of books that i think they're on book six or seven now it's been out for a little while mm -hmm. but it's like like 150 years in the future solar system space opera it's written by pair of authors one of whom was the assistant for george rr R. martin so somebody who has kind of a you know a foot in this pool of you know epic sci-fi and fantasy so they're making a game based on that which i think is perfect because it's a fantastic universe to work in and the, the the game itself don't know a ton about it yet but i know we know it's coming that's being worked on by jeff engelstein and it is they compare it a little bit to twilight struggle it's a little bit shorter though and there's more players so that's nice two to four players um you have earth's un forces mars the rebels of the outer planets alliance because there's all these people out in the outer planets and on series and then a uh, separate corporation uh, the protogenic incorporated so Everybody's going to have their own special abilities. They're basically trying to maneuver and, and gain advantage. Um, it's your typical like space intrigue type of game. But within that Expanse universe, which is very rich um, in character, but also in intrigue, and the politics of it is very raw and kind of mean, <laughs> I think we could have a very interesting game here. I'm not sure how mean of a game it will be. We'll see. Um, but when you say The Expanse, which is a fantastic series that I've always liked a lot, uh, and Twilight Struggle, it's something I'm going to keep an eye on. 
All right. Well, that sounds really interesting. Now, something I want to talk about that's a little bit on the opposite side is a game that's currently on Kickstarter. So by the time you listen to this, you should probably have, I would say, maybe one or two days left to pick this up. And that is Card City XL, as in like extra large kind of Card City. Now, you may have already owned Card City, or you may know the designer's other games, which include Town City, Clinic, Small City, and Tramways. Anthony, you, did you play any of these games? Uh, only the one. I played Tramways not too long ago, actually, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Aesthetically, not much to look at, but as far as a game, it was fantastically complex, but like this, just this crazy little puzzle. So, which is, you, we all know is my favorite type of game. So. Sure. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about the designer Alban Vayard and really hard, chunky kind of splatter games here as mm-hmm. far as really kind of super crunchy on the heavy end mechanics. And uh, as you said, Anthony, not really, you know, kind of complex artwork here. But what I really like about this Kickstarter that that's out right now um, is a number of different things, which include the artwork and the design is a little more cleaned up, a little more polished, and I think it's a little more interesting. And the thing about his designs is that he always, or at least the way he talks about his designs, he always likes to return to them in order to upgrade them. So what we're seeing here is an upgrade from the original Card City, which I I just recently picked up. And this Card City, what's going to be interesting about this kind of city-building game is it's actually going to have, I believe, 240 different kind of combinations as far as how you put together different modules and what level of complexity you're looking for in this game it's it's quite a unique game and it's different than card city card city i would say take a look at card city as far as being a very light version where this is going to be a more challenging complex version now we talked about between two cities not too long ago and this is somewhat similar in the way that you are putting down different residents, different commerce, industry, municipal buildings. But here, uh, a lot of his games typically are built around the idea of a real working city. So, for example, pollution plays a very big part in the final scoring of the game. So as you're building your city up and you're trying to expand different opportunities, you want to be very careful because... You know, as you build this major metropolis, there's going to be problems that are going to work against you. And in the end, that might just sink you. So I remember playing Small City where that was one of the main issues here. Card City is kind of a simplified version of playing these tiles out on the board. There are special conditions in which you can build residents, you can build commercial areas, and certain areas are going to score you money in order to build new facilities, and some areas are going to cause pollution, which is obviously going to be bad. It's going to score you negative points towards your end of the game. But what you're really looking at here is a interesting, complex version of it in which you can kind of set the difficulty level. So if you only have a short amount of time or if you have new gamers, you can kind of play that with them. But if you have some really heavy gamers who like those crunchy games, you don't have to kind of shy away. You can just kind of pick up the gameplay here. And I think this kind of does a couple of different things. It kind of employs 504 as far as really offering a lot of game by, you know, offering different opportunities to kind of customize what you want your experience to be like, which is a lot of fun. And basically, this is really going to do a lot of good for his other games, because since his other games are really hard, really crunchy, tend to be a little more on the expensive side, 
this is kind of a really nice way to pick up a, a solid game from him at, at only a pledge of $29. And, you know, this game is expected to release this December. And as I said earlier, you're only going to have a couple days to check this out. So go on to Kickstarter and uh, check out Card City XL. I might have to do that. I think you should because I've already got my copy. So I... <laughs> yeah. I really like Tramways. Uh, it, it's hard to get to the table, though, because... Uh... It is not pretty to look at and super complex. So yeah, and I and I think this is one of the and I think a lot of games need this. And I, I think we talked about this a little bit with First Class, where you have like heavier games like Russian Railroads or German Railroads, and First Class kind of brings people in. With Card City, you get to kind of you know like I said like in a five or four way. You can look you can play a simplified, a normal, or advanced game. And then you can choose what victory conditions. So you have three choices of complexity level, five choices of victory condition, and then 16 different choices of variance. So once again, it comes up to 240 different ways to play the game. But once again, you know your group, you know who you're sitting down with. You can kind of set the the game length and the game complexity. And I think once people get hooked into these games, I think that uh, we're going to see a lot more of these hit to the market, especially in a more polished form. I know Clinic, which is a game I really want to get to the table at some point and still haven't gotten a chance to do so yet, is going to be revised in a deluxe version. So I'm going to be picking that up as well. Yep. So uh, a lot of great games to check out. And let's talk about the games that have actually been hitting the table. Anthony, what do you got for us this week? All right. So at Gen Con, we got a chance to play Haspel Necked. This is... I was so happy about that. Yeah. (laughs) We finally got in. We like ran in there first thing in the morning and they're like... Really, guys? This is where you stop? 10 a.m.? Uh, the hall opens? Like, yeah, because every time we come over here, there's no, we can't play. I know. Um, I ended up picking the game up because I liked it a lot. Yeah. And it's it's the first in a cold trilogy. Uh, Thomas Spitzer is the designer. And instead of bringing out the second game in the cold trilogy, which they are going to do eventually, Capstone Games has released Ruhr Valley, which is the expansion for Hashbullnect. And I think this was released in Germany as well this year. So Hashbullnect, the game itself, it's about mining coal on farms in germany so, okay that sounds pretty, exciting anthony it doesn't sound like so an awesome game <laughs> it's, it's so exciting um but the the, the hook of it the reason that i really kind of loved it is that they described it as like it's like agricola but not quite as brutal and it takes less than an hour which i was like <laughs> done sold um, <laughs> you had me at less than an hour <laughs> basically you draft these little tokens uh from pools and it changes round around and then you use those tokens to take certain actions which can be Building buildings, development buildings, um, getting food, getting wood to build, you know, little poles for your um, to hold up your mine, mm-hmm. or mining out coal and removing water and coal. Um, very, very thematic. Extremely. Yeah. And it, that's it. That's like that's all the thing. It doesn't take too much to learn. Um, the rulebook is not fantastic, but it, despite that, it's really not that complicated of a game. The one issue that I had with it after playing it a few times, though, is that you use the same development tiles every single time and they're in different orders, but there's only enough to play a four player game. So the only way you can kind of randomize a little bit is if you play with less than four players. So the game gets a little samey. There are a handful of strategies that just kind of work every time if you get the right combination of stuff. And so people weren't really interested in continuing to play it as I brought it out. Mm -hmm. So the expansion adds three things. It adds 13 new development tiles so that you can now randomize these different groups of tiles. There's basically three extra ones for each of the rows, mm-hmm. no matter how many people are playing. There's an Ironworks expansion, which adds a fifth row of tiles at the bottom. 
that they, they each have some pretty good bonuses, but they also give you an end game scoring card that will, there's only one per tile and you get to pick which one you get to draft them basically. And you can only get one because once you get one of these ironworks tiles, that's it. Um, you can only get one and it, it'll allow you to get extra points for various different things that you've been doing throughout the game. And then there is, I'm sorry, those are the black development tiles. The ironworks expansion is actually the, you have a new board that goes over your normal board and it has two sides, A or B, a little bit different. And some of those uh, mine shafts have iron that are needed instead of the wood trellises. So you have to create iron, which you make with food. I'm not sure how that works, but <laughs> that's the resource you need. And then you uh, would use that iron there. And the iron is worth more points. And at the end of the game, there is a fourth round now added instead of three. So the game typically has three years. Each of those years has three different action phases. So now there's four with three different action phases. And at the end, you have to have at least one iron to pay to pay your taxes, I guess is what it ends up being. It's very few fundamentally different mechanics, just a, a handful of very small tweaks that I think are kind of important and useful. The game is longer, so that is one downside. It takes about an extra half an hour with four players. So now it's a 90, it's a 90 minute to two hour game uh, instead of 60 to 90. It doesn't really stop the tech strategy. So you could still just build up a bunch of developments and win with that without really doing a lot of mining. So that's a thing. And it's not really a game changing expansion, but uh, despite all that, I think it's probably one I'll always play with because you get the randomized tiles now, the iron works, there's no reason not to use it. Um, and those black development tiles are a great way to kind of add to the end game scoring. Um, the only real problem I have here with it is it's a little fiddly now in setup. Uh, you have to pay attention to which tiles go in because it can be imbalanced if you put all of the expansion tiles in, for example, or have certain tiles next to other tiles. And they tell you this in the rules, but there's not like a chart. Like it needs a chart that tells you like, if you have this tile, don't use this tile. Or if you use this tile, make sure this one's not adjacent to this tile. Um, so I see that being problematic. Uh, if I just pull a bunch of tiles out to set the game up, I don't want to have to dig through the rule book to determine which ones to use and not use. But there's not a ton of tiles. So it's, you know, it's a five minute thing at the beginning of the game. It's just one of those things that if I forget to do it, it's going to imbalance the game. But otherwise, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good expansion. It adds depth and variety to the game that was needed. Yes. And if you own the game, you should definitely get this. It's a must buy. If you have played the game and weren't super impressed or got a little bored with it, play it again with the expansion. I think it adds enough to make it worth playing again. So it's, it's definitely a buy if you own the game. It's a play if you, you know, haven't played it before um or if you um have played and were not super impressed well this was the second booth that i ran over to as soon as gen con opened first i went to pick up castles of burgundy the card game and then i ran to Haspelneck, and i was terribly disappointed that the game wasn't available to be sold and you and i got to play through and it was a lot of fun like you said it was very short and it was somewhat simplified I felt, I think, at the time that that was somewhat of a weakness, that it really did need more. Although I did appreciate the fact, as you said, it wasn't a grickle length or complexity. But at the same time, I felt like it, it felt like half a game. It felt like, you know how there's those conspiracy theories where somehow there's a game and then they cut half of it and then sell the other half as an expansion? <laughs> That's what I felt like went on here. And, and no offense, I, I did really enjoy the game. It's very thematic as it, how it plays. Definitely want to pick this up. And now that the expansion is here, that's amazing. 
I wish I un, I'm not too sure about their game practices here. I would just like to pick everything up all at once, maybe in one big box, maybe in a queen kind of situation, because I I really do think it needs the expansion. Yeah, I think in the future if they reprint all this stuff, like in a year or two, ideally, hopefully they pack it in. Yeah, uh, it is a lot though. Like having packed them both into the same box now, and they all fit. It fills the box, so I'm not sure how feasible that would be for them. But I think it's like you said. Three three seasons, three rounds was not quite enough. No. It never felt. You always felt like you were building towards something, and then it ended. It really dropped um, off a cliff. Yeah. Like so we, the fourth round adds a lot. I think it's it's really important. Uh, so enough so that I wish they would put it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, even with Agricola, there's a family mode. At least in the original Agricola, if you didn't want to play with the complexity here, it just it it felt like like you said there was a really nice thematic drive to the game and then just dropped off and it didn't really feel like it finished yeah this is really exciting for me i'm really really happy about that now that i was not looking forward to playing and was kind of dragged to a table to play is railroad revolution now this is a game by marco cantata and stefania nicolini and this game is honestly as boring as a train game looks it's got this kind of bland yellow brown map of the continental u.s it's got a couple of tracks to it it's a a couple of spots where you can put your meeples and some kind of not terrible but somewhat ordinary artwork showing off very rich white dudes in very fancy coats and top hats and everything kind of running the country (laughs) so i'm like yeah no i I think i'm gonna pass on this but I, and i said this at the table i don't know what happened that railroad became the theme for euro games by far i mean i know obviously there's farming but railroads there's so many railroad games think of all the 18 x games and i was like well maybe we were hypothesizing maybe it's because everyone had model trains at one point and then that was like a hobby shop and then maybe those people who went to hobby shop or who were hobby shop kind of people became hobby shop gamers and they wanted train games because they like trains so i'm like I'm trying to rationalize why I'm sitting at this table. (laughs) And I got to tell you, I I really love this game. And I love this. I was after I played like just like the first just the first round or two through. I was like, oh, this is a great game. So so basically what you're going to do is you're going to be starting off with a number of generic workers and you're going to have your own little individual player board that's going to allow you to take four different actions. So one's going to allow you to put out a kind of train station building on the map at certain locations. Another action is going to let you lay rail. Another action is going to let you put a building down on the Western Union. That was their communication network. And then one action is going, one action spot is going to allow you to trade rails and buildings for money, which you will need throughout the game. In addition to having your meeples going to those different areas, you will be given two random objectives that you'll have an opportunity to complete for really big victory points. You'll get money. You'll get stocks, which always kind of scares me when I hear that when, when in relations to a uh, train game. But don't worry. Let me get you there. And at the start of the game, you are going to pick a one of these kind of starting bonuses. Everyone's going to get one. And that's going to kind of get you started. And then you'll place your meeple on one of those four spots that I mentioned. And then as the game goes on, you're not just going to have these white generic meeples. You're going to be able to use the special abilities on your board or special spots on the board to get, in addition, 
four different colored workers that when you place those meeples on the spot, it will allow you to take a secondary action that's going to be a lot of fun. So, for example, you might be able to take the orange engineer and the engineer will allow you to be able to place your worker on the board so you can kind of, let's say, for example, drop a house but not pay for the cost or drop rails but pay less or do a number of different things. The orange meeple is a very cool meeple. And there's a number of different things you could do. So you have an orange, purple, teal, and gray meeple besides the white meeple. So depending what color meeple you drop in that area, it's going to allow you to do a certain secondary ability that's going to help you throughout the game. So why are you doing all this kind of fun stuff? Well, you are obviously trying to meet the objective goals that are typically going to be talking about meeting certain conditions like having a certain number of houses in a certain areas or laying down a certain number of tracks to certain areas or be able to kind of raise things to a certain uh, point in the game. And in addition to all those objectives, there are three tracks. So there's a Western Union track, there's a building house track on the map, and there is the three West Coast cities that are kind of the five-point cities. And there are multipliers for those three tracks. So depending on where you are on those multiplier tracks and depending on what you've been able to accomplish, that's going to be the massive amount of points that you're going to receive in the game. Now, there's also points, as I said earlier, from the objectives. There's also points by placing houses next to each other on the Western Union Rail, kind of like a la uh, Great Western Trail, where on the top you need to have both next to each other in order to score the victory points in the middle. But this game has so many different action points and so many different opportunities that it really allows you to kind of play the game your way. You're also going to be able to take special actions, trade in stocks. You're going to be able to make money throughout this game. It has a lot of variety that is deceptive because it looks like a very bland game, but it's actually a lot of fun. Now, my one criticism I will say about this game that I'm a little concerned about is that it seemed like two of the three tracks really ran this game. So the Western Union track and the Five Point Cities, which initially didn't seem possible to get to, seem like those are by far the most powerful. So if you build those two areas up really high, the objectives are not going to matter. Putting your houses out on these different cities is not going to matter so much. So that does kind of concern me with long-term gameplay. And it's somewhat similar to Great Western Trail, where it seemed like there was kind of two paths to victory and that third one was dropped off. Kind of the same thing here. So I said when I played this game that I was going to buy it. So I'm going to still hold to that and say that this game is a buy. I will, as I said, give a little note that it is possible after multiple gameplays that, as I said, the Western Union Trail and or especially the five-point cities with the rails. If you build rails and you build the five-point cities, that might be overwhelming. But nonetheless, this is an excellent game, a surprising gem as far as I'm concerned. I really did enjoy this. I have a story about this game. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Is it an awesome story? Well, it's kind of a frustrating one. Okay. Um, I pre-ordered this game back in November. Okay. What's your game website? Because they let you do that, and they'll ship it to the U.S., and it's free shipping. It's great. I did it last year with Nippon. Um and I got the game in December, uh-huh. and I'm very excited because I heard it was good. Okay. And I opened it up and punched it, and it was missing all the little rail bits. Wow. All the wood bits. So <laughs> the whole bag was gone, and I looked online, and a lot of people had the same problem. So I emailed the woman who I'd been in touch with before, and she's like, oh, we'll get them out. 
and then nothing, and then nothing. And I guess there was a postal strike in Germany or something. Wow. Um, this is somebody else telling me they didn't even get their copy till like February for this reason. I just got these pieces like three weeks ago. Jeez. Maybe the end of April. So I haven't played the game yet. I've owned it for six months, but I haven't played <laughs> it because I was missing all these, like enough wooden bits that I didn't feel like scavenging them from elsewhere because it's... I've been sitting on it forever. <laughs> definitely looking forward to hearing your review on that. That is definitely on, still on my hotness as far as games that I want to get to the table again and again. But um, speaking of which, let's get on to our feature review and talk about other games that haven't been sitting around for six months, but are hot and current on BGG. So, Anthony, we're talking about the games that everyone's talking about. And, of course, from Board Game Geek, they have their hotness track. And it's always changing and always reflecting the market pretty accurately, I think, with, you know, some kind of exceptions here when there's something really random that hits the market. But uh, we want to run through these the top games that are hitting the list. And uh, let's talk about why the heck are they actually on there. So, Anthony, why don't you start off with that uh, number one hotness there that's kind of sitting up there for a little while. <laughs> don't want to say it. I don't even want to tr- attempt it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it, but it's gonna we, be wrong. So I'm sorry. We have, for... we we have our good. <laughs> our German listeners are gonna be like, oh man. We just, we just mentioned them, and now we're bringing them down. <laughs> Vetlauf nach Eldorado. There you go. Um, so it's, just, I, I'm pretty sure the English name is just Eldorado. Okay. I hope so. That's a lot easier. <laughs> Uh, so this is a new game from Reiner Knizia, and it was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres. That's why it's number one up there. There you go. Um, it is a race game using card drafting to build characters. It looks pretty cool. That's all I know about it, though, because I didn't know it existed until last week. <laughs> so I can't really talk about it much other than to say this is why it's here. Uh, and we'll find out in uh, a few weeks if it uh, takes some of that prize or not. But either way. It will be a, a big one when it hits the U.S. for this very reason. Let's how about a, how about a softball one here, Anthony? What's what's our number two here? Magic <laughs> Maze. It's Magic Maze. Magic okay. Maze. There you go. <laughs> uh, this is designed by Casper Lapp. Uh, it's also a Spiel des Jahres nominee, and it is a real time cooperative game that I believe takes like ten or fifteen minutes. Uh, I think that the twist here is everybody will be using different characters. They have different unique abilities, but you have limited access. If you're using one, someone else can't use them, et cetera. And it's something like three minutes, maybe, you get to take actions in the first phase. So lots of hourglasses. Uh, (laughs) Seeing a lot more real-time games. It's interesting, though, to see a real-time game using the uh, the old-school mechanics. Yeah, real-time co-op game. And like you said, fast and quick and kind of interesting. So uh, it's definitely something that could really you know work out well with the family especially where it's they're looking to rob a shopping mall so (laughs) why not all right so from magic maze to a unknown game uh an upper coming game what's our number three anthony yeah i've never heard of this one before (laughs) just kidding it's gloomhaven all right all right yeah you all know why this is here it'll stay up here for a while that's all that's what we got that's That's all we have to say about that (laughs) We're going to talk about Gloomhaven a little bit more, um, I think, next week. Yes. But it's uh, it's the behemoth. It's, I think it's up to number six now on BGG. Yes. Um, and everybody will be getting their copy here like, only in like three or four months. So. Yeah. This had uh, two Kickstarters and great raves and reviews, and everyone's loving the game. And we're going to be talking about it next week. So uh, be sure to be, jump back with us, and we'll tell you more about it. So, Anthony, what about number four? All right. So this is Ethnos. Okay. Uh, Ethnos is a... It, 
if you look at the box and you look at who made it, you'll think there's miniatures inside, but there's not. Are they're they tricking you. <laughs> okay. It's it's cool mini or not, or Simon, whatever whatever they're going by these days. Um, <laughs> it is it's an area control game with these different decks of cards that represent different races, and you rotate which ones are in the game. Um, I have not played it yet, but I have seen it. I know it's extremely popular right now because of a couple of rave reviews from Shut Up and Sit Down and The Dice Tower. So that's why it's up here so high right now because I think it came out like a month ago. Sure. And then all these rave reviews came in in the last week or so, and everybody's like, wait, what? Yeah. Because it doesn't look like much. It's like this $40 game with no miniatures. The artwork, iconic. It's John Howe, but it's... It's bland. It's just generic fantasy Especially the board. I mean, the board especially. Is the just, board is so bland. <laughs> it's so bland. But Cool Mini or Not recently did their own little convention, and I guess a lot of the buzz is coming out from that game and from that convention. Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. it's it's sold out everywhere. So um, have that fun figures. finding it. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how about our number five game? All right. This is Raiders of the North Sea by Shem Phillips. This okay. is an interesting one because it's a Kenner Spiel um, nominee. So that's the strategy game of the year. And it was kickstarted. So I'm not sure if it's the first kickstarted game to be nominated for the Kenner Spiel, but it's one of the first ones I've seen. Uh, Renegade did pick it up, so they're going to be releasing it this summer um, in full distribution. I have seen it around, though, because some people did back it. But it, it seems like a... I don't think it's straightforward necessarily, but it's a Euro set collection, worker placement, sure. and your Vikings. So it has <laughs> all the... Uh, all the big pieces from the last few years, but apparently it's very, very good um, to kind of make it to the top of that list. It's It's got some really funky artwork, and I mean that in a very good way. All right, what's our number six game, Anthony? All right, so this is another Kenner Spiel nominee, okay. and it's the one I've played. I've played it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Terraforming Mars. I, I don't know that this is necessarily the favorite. Who knows? I, I, I'm super biased here. I feel like it could be, but you never know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 such a good game, but yet Kenner Spiel is kind of known for its ability to just wave something really shiny in front of you and then hand you something completely different. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of like the Oscars in that way. You really love this one? Yeah, it's not getting the award. <laughs> it was like last year, Pandemic Legacy didn't win, and everybody was very surprised by that. Sure. It's gonna so. be, it's gonna be one of those La La Land kind of thing. It turns out it's Moonlight. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it's still a good game, but didn't expect that. They're they're always they're always messing with us. All right. So what about our number seventh game? I think this is one you've kickstarted yourself. I did. Yes. Yeah, Deep Deep Space D six. This uh-huh. is a reprint, actually. So the the original Kickstarter was a year or two ago. I have this game. I've played it. It's solo only, so you know. You know, I've talked about it. Um, we actually mentioned it on the uh, solo podcast. I can't remember which episode, but it was a couple months ago. You can find it. <laughs> it's on the website. Um, but this is the new version with, I think, some updated rules, and there's an expansion for it. So if you like solo games, definitely check it out. If you don't, then this has nothing for you. So this is... That, that is all. Yeah, this is currently being kickstarted now, right? The expansion for it? Yeah, it just went up maybe this last week. So you probably have two or three weeks left as of hearing this. Okay. So, so you would recommend this as far as people kickstarting this game as well? Oh, yeah. If you want to play a solo game, um, it's awesome. It's You're rolling a lot of dice. You assign the dice to different places on uh, different starships. The Out of the box, you get a few different starships that do different things. And you have to utilize the abilities on those different chambers to fight different um, enemies that come at you and deal with different like away missions and stuff that come up. Um, it's very very simple um, but it's it's fun and it's got enough randomness to it to be 
uh, okay. I like I like a little randomness in my solo games, but not mm-hmm. so much that it's frustrating where you could do everything right and still lose. So it's a fun one. Okay. How about our number eight? So this is The Mysterious Forest uh, by Carlo Rossi. It's a Kinderspiel nominee, mm-hmm. and it is, that's, that's really all I know about it, but it's a cooperative memory game. Uh, it's based on a graphic novel called The Worm World Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, it appears to be dice-based and memory-based, so um, both great things for kids. So it, it, it looks good. I mean, like, visually, uh, aesthetically, it looks pretty cool. Okay, sounds good. And how about our number nine? All right, this is a... Currently on Kickstarter, um, it's I don't know how to say it, but it's Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. And the designers are Maro and Alessandro Chiaboto. And um, it is about Celtic clans resisting the Romans, So, which is kind of a cool theme. I don't know if That's... I've seen a lot of games do that. No. About an hour. It's pretty low cost. I think it's around $15, $20. And it has kind of that tiny epic-ish look to it. Sure. Uh, so all the tiny little modular cards that you put out. So it's it seems interesting. Okay, sounds good. And what about our number 10 game? Number 10 is Halloween. This is the new Quinid game. Uh, it's by Angelo De Maio, also on Kickstarter now. And it is, as you can imagine, it's about Halloween. So <laughs> you, you play a demon lord, you control ghosts on the board, you get these great little ghost miniatures. You can check out the Kickstarter, it looks pretty cool. And basically you're summoning ghosts and moving them around to fight other people and come out on top as the king demon lord or something so um (laughs) if you like that kind of stuff like demon lords and halloween theme you know it seems like it's right up your alley okay all right anthony what's our number 11 hit all right number 11 is the third spiel this year nominee Uh, as king domino so this is the one that people are saying is the favorite to win that does not mean it's going to win but last year the favorite one so we'll see king domino is is a very quick simple easy domino game basically it's you, you drafting different dominoes and placing them in your little um, tableau and trying to score points that way. I play with my son. He's five. He loves it. So uh, it's it's definitely a perfect Spiel des Jahres nominee. We'll mm-hmm. see if it pulls it off. Yeah, I played with Howard. He's not five, so. <laughs> uh, but we, but, but we, uh, we enjoyed it. It's it's the the pieces are really well done. It's nicely produced. So uh, yeah, not surprised that it's up there. But uh, maybe I'll take it away. All right, Anthony. What's our next one? Role player. So okay. role player is a game about rolling a character in an RPG. Yep. That is it. <laughs> you don't do the RPG part. You just roll the character. Lots of dice. Um, it's very popular with solo gamers right now. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but Jason reviewed it like maybe a month ago um, on the podcast. And I think he actually just interviewed the designer of it because they have a Kickstarter right now. Yes. For, uh, the expansion. The plus expansion. Yes. So can check that out next week well this week i think we're posting it this week all right anthony what do you have for our number 13 game another unknown yeah who's who, who's heard of this one um <laughs> just kidding it's scythe yay uh, i'm not aware of any new news here i know there's an expansion that they've been talking about for the last couple months yep. but it's scythe so it's up here <laughs> yeah the uh zeppelins are definitely going to bring something new into the game so having those airships is kind of like an adding a really new dimension to the game so i'm really looking forward to that all right, Anthony, our number 14. Outlive. So this is a Kickstarter campaign that just, by Gregory Oliver, it's a survival game, worker placement, post-apocalyptic, kind of the uh, trifecta of Kickstarter winner. Um, don't know a whole lot about it, but a lot of obviously a lot of people are getting it in the mail right now, so they're mm-hmm. talking about it. Great. And finally, our number 15 game, Anthony. Arkham Horror, the card game. 
this is just another one of those ones that's just going to live up here for a long time. Um, <laughs> like all those LCGs, like uh, this one has new packs every month, so people are going to be talking about it, and probably get, we'll be talking about this one every month when we mention these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's everything on the hotness according to Board Game Geek, Anthony. We've been having some hotness on our own Facebook page. What's going to actually make it to the top of our question of the week? All right. So thanks, guys, again for answering the question of the day. I post that every weekday on Facebook and Twitter. Um, the, this one we pulled, we asked, what is the ideal game length for your group? Ooh. So uh, had a lot of good answers here. Uh, most people kind of ended up in the same range. Kevin said filler games should be 20 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Full games should be two hours plus or minus 30, which I thought was pretty good. That's good. I like that. It's a nice range. Um, Eric said 90 minutes flat usually works. Sure. Um, it'll take us three hours, but we usually just get one game in <laughs> and out way. Um, that was a common theme. A lot of people mentioned the actual time versus the box time, which I sure. think is important to mention. <laughs> um, Andrea said typically play with a group of four for about two to four hours in total. And then um, Jim said 90 minutes seems to be the sweet spot. So, And I agree with that. 90 minutes for me is pretty much ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's if it's like the full day, I want something longer. But at the end of the day, if we're playing at like 6 or 7 o'clock, hour and a half, two hours is good. Yeah, I think it's that general movie length that somehow they've done endless amounts of marketing where how long can you sit still and pay attention? So... <laughs> hour and a half but you got to remember there's going to be set up and break down and maybe rules explanation so typically i like to hear i like to hear about it i like to hear a two-hour game usually that says to me that's complex enough that i really have to sit down and kind of you know hunker down and really invest if it's if i hear 60 minutes or less i'm going to kind of cringe a little bit because i know this is a game that it might as well just be a filler you know because i I really want to sit down and play something great uh recently i was at a board game group and someone brought out Kanban, the Automobile Revolution, and they were like, oh, we can play this. I'm like, well, it's like 7 o'clock now, and they kick us out at 10 o'clock. He's like, yeah, no, but the box is like – and I can't remember, nah. to be fair. And I was just – I looked at him. I just started laughing. I'm like, no. <laughs> the box lies. So much lying. <laughs> Who knew cardboard lied so much? <laughs> Oh, great. So, and yeah, that's absolutely something you want to keep a, an eye out for as far as building your game night, trying to find the appropriate game time, because there's nothing worse than not being able to finish a game at the end of the night, you know, just especially when you're about to kind of wrap up and you don't have enough for those final two or three rounds. It's it's really rough. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's everything for us for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a totally awesome seat at our table. <laughs>